0: My personal journey, I feel, was, like most, we go to college and we're like, okay, I'm going to
1: get married, and of course, that's just the next step. People didn't talk about singleness being a positive thing, that it was an empowering thing. I wish that I had had adults in my life back then that would have told me, you don't have to be married to have a fulfilling, awesome life.
0: Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited for another bonus episode where we are going to talk with one of my previous and cl- favorite, some of my favorite clients, um, Kristen. She, Kristen McIntyre is here with us today, and she is going to represent the three on the Enneagram, and we're excited to hear um, again from Scott, and Yvonne and I are here just to... Add in any extra fun, um, and so Kristen has gotten a bit of experience with the Enneagram. And why don't you share with us a little bit, Kristen, um, what what you've experienced and what you've learned so far?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. I would say, you know, I can't really remember the. Moments that I found out about the Enneagram, it was probably a podcast because I'm an avid yeah. podcast listener. And um, I found I stumbled upon the book by uh, Suzanne Stabile and I had had it on my bookshelf for a while and finally picked it up and immediately devoured it within like a night. And it was in that moment that I I came to understand, oh, my goodness, I really am not the only one the examples she was talking about within the three section just completely astounded me. And so um, I jumped into it from there and have been learning and studying ever since. It's probably been about a year and a half. And it's really pushed me to understand myself, to understand that I really need to work uh, at understanding my feelings and Uh, That pushed me to coaching, which is how I met you, Angie, which was an exciting turn of events and really learned to slow down and start processing things. So it was the start of a real turn in my personal growth and honestly, with my relationship with the Lord, quite, quite honestly.
3: It's a it's a pleasure to have this conversation. Uh, Thanks for Uh, hosting this, Yvonne and Angie. It's just uh, such a privilege to get to dialogue with you guys and Kristen. Um, We're really excited for you to help us understand threeness more. Um, I'm going to continue just like our last conversation about Enneagram twos to bring some of the um, theory and practice of what this tends to look like. And uh, of course, we'll look to you, Kristen, for uh, where you see this play out in your life and you can actually make this tangible for all of us yes. because none of the rest of us are threes ourselves. Yeah. So we're really glad oh, for the experience yes. you bring to the table there. Um, so just to, just to launch right into it, if we look at the the three personality um, oftentimes it gets a, a title or a label or a name of the achiever, or sometimes it's called the performer. And, um, and I've even heard it called the effective, which is another great name for this. Um, threes are—they're awesome. Threes' greatest need uh, typically is to succeed or to be successful. And so, if you just use that as a launching pad, and you imagine we're in a—we're in a very three-oriented culture here in America in the time and place where we're living, um, where success and achievement is something that we really value. So it, it tends to really become all about the things that we do, the accomplishments that we bring to the table, the successes that we're striving toward. This is, um, seen in pop culture, you know, it's the kind of hashtags of whether it's rap artists or Instagram athletes, people that want to really hang their achievements and successes and money and fame out there for the world to see. So, um, so threes, pursue that level of success. But as we'll see, as we talk this out, it's not just purely from selfish means. That's that's kind of a warped way that our culture deals with it. But um, most threes are pursuing this uh, a lot of times very selflessly. Um, so I would say that threes tend to really be the poster child of any organization they're a part of or the career path they're in or even social organizations they're a part of. They're the ones that are on the poster or have their faces on the website. Um, They tend to really study an organization that they're a part of to find out what they're meant to be or what they're supposed to look like. And then they can morph themselves to be that. It's amazing. Um, three's capability to do this, to almost shapeshift is a term that's used often for threes. Um, it's almost like a superpower that threes can dress themselves up to be whatever's called for in the moment. And yeah. I don't know about anyone listening, but I just admire that because I always find myself in situations where I'm, I'm feeling inadequate for what I need to be in the moment, or all I can do is just bring the, the, who I am that's trapped in a box. So I admire the fact that threes walk into a situation saying, Hey, whatever I need to be for this, I can be it. Um, Kristen, do you feel like that's true for you? Have you, have you been able to do that for a lot of your life?
2: (laughs) Yes, uh, I think I very much identify with Paul when he talks about uh, just really being whatever you need to be in the moment. And I'm like, yep. Uh, And you're right. It is incredible to watch a three walk into the room and just immediately be able to read what's needed, identify the needs, and then be willing to jump into it It is a, a beautiful thing. And I think the greatest strength, though, is also the greatest weakness, because I can definitely relate to doing that. I can walk into a room and I can realize, oh, they don't need me to be the energy or they don't need me to be the spokesperson. And so I can sit and be quiet because they don't need another leader. Or I can walk in and realize, wow, there's a lot of people that uh, don't really want to step up and I'm happy to serve in that need. Uh, The challenging part is when I walk in and the only thing that is required of me is to just be me. And mm-hmm. the real me um, is is a challenge to just be authentic in how I show up and how I even communicate at times because there's this expectation on yourself as a three often to just be like, okay, well, what do you need in this moment? I was just having a conversation uh, earlier this evening with someone and I was like, well, you need someone to take charge. And so that's what I'm doing. And when you don't need it anymore, I'll stop doing that. Um, and the problem is I think threes are attracted to where the, the energy and the, um, drive and the, what, where it's happening, right? Whatever's going on, they're attracted to that vision. At least I know for me, I am. And so there's always a need (laughs) when I walk in the room and, um, year after year it can come to be very draining very exhausting if you're not able to say okay that was that's what was needed in the moment but now I can step back where am I at right now in my in my emotions in my my energy level when I don't have to put on the show what am I um and that's something that has taken a little bit of work quite honestly because I don't self-regulate in that way naturally. And I think a lot of it comes from my childhood, quite frankly, because even at a young age, I always was, uh, I was always given a lot of attention when I was on the stage, I was a dancer, or when I was on the field playing soccer, if I did well, I got attention. And you know what everyone said? They said, Oh, well, Kristen loves the the limelight. She loves being center stage. And I don't know that I necessarily did, but I knew I got attention when Mm -hmm. I did, and so I leaned into it. Um, I'm the oldest of five kids, and you know, after a couple children, there's a lot to go along in raising a family, and so attention was not something that you got all the time. And so I think that was a lot of what stirred that identity as the performer, as it's often called, or the achiever. And you're, and I can't agree more when you. Reference like living in today's Western culture of just that there's this constant um, praise and adoration towards really the a three type the one who never stops who will bring the energy if you need it who will um, be the one who will work tirelessly and oftentimes is the person who finds their identity in those achievements. uh, I heard it said that for threes to be able to step back from that and find your identity and yourself is quite challenging. And in today's society, it would be like, um, it would be like an alcoholic living next to a bar and not going in all the time. And I cannot agree more. I see it. I know it because I'm very aware. I'm aware of what the expectations are in my job or within my community. And yet sometimes I have to make the conscious choice of, but I'm not going to step into being a workaholic, or I'm not going to step into not having a work-life balance. Because while that's what's expected, I know that that's not the the sort of person I want to be. So those strengths can also really be those challenges.
3: Yeah, that's so true. You know, if you you guys as listeners remember our last conversation about twos, we're not living in a culture in a world that's all about, hey, success is meeting other people's needs. And uh, we're not yeah. seeing people on Instagram you know, flaunting how much they serve people, but we are seeing mm-hmm. accolades and achievements and accomplishments, and that's what is valued today. So yeah, that very thing that, it, that the threes bring to the table as one of their greatest gifts can become a seductive poison at times. And, and it's a hard culture to live in as a three and not get swept up by that.
0: I remember, Kristen, when we talked and I said, you're 100% lovable, valuable, and worthy just the way you are, not because of what you do, not because of what you have, and not because of what other people think of you. And I remember you saying, okay, I'm going to need a second,
2: you know? Yes, absolutely. And I still have to challenge and remind myself of that on a very regular basis because so often Growing up, I can literally remember times as a young girl and as a teenager saying, well, the you that you are is not good enough. So if you're the smartest or if you're the one in charge and you're running the event, which was my default always, then they'll have to include you. Then they'll have to like you or at least talk to you because you've put yourself in a position where you are what they need. Um hmm. And so that really morphs into relationships though, too, because if you are always approaching relationships, at least for me, from a position of, well, I'll be what everything and anything that you need, that's not a healthy two-sided relationship. That's a one-sided relationship with a version of, in my case, Kristen, who cannot be sustained 24-7. And I can't be this person who doesn't have needs all the time. And in a in a deep and meaningful relationship. However, yeah. everything I've learned in my childhood had prepared me for, well, if you don't have needs and you're just everything that everyone else needs, then you'll be the best friend, then you'll be the perfect wife, then you'll be the terrific girlfriend. And that's only sustainable to a point. So really learning how to be authentic and genuine and also show up and recognize the needs and say, I'm gonna fill that need. In my threeness, because I have this gift to identify it, while still being the true person that God has created me to be, has been really the key to sustaining that uh, that growth and that that calling too of just being able to walk into those positions, whether it's ministry or personal relationships or even in work, and be able to continue. Uh, day in and day out, it has to be something that is founded in who God has made you to be. Um, yeah. And not just that fake version. There, there's times for sure. Right. And I think that's a gift, especially when you're working with people you've never met before, um, are people who just need to be put at ease. That's something that mm-hmm. I find so easy to do is just put them in a position, just be a friend, right. And um, get conversation going However, there has to be a point of stepping back and saying, okay, now I need something. And is there really someone who's going to value me enough to say, oh, the Kristen that has needs is still someone that I'm willing to be friends with, that I'm willing to invest in. Yes, that's huge.
3: So let's let's just uh let's talk a little bit about the fact that the 3s are in the triad of personalities of the heart. So out of those three centers of intelligence, which is thinking, feeling and doing or head, gut and heart, so 3s just like 2s are in the heart triad. So they tend to process information and take in information about the world through feelings, which is interesting cuz you even referred to this earlier, Kristen, that most threes are incredibly perceptive and even intuitive about other people's feelings, moods, agendas, and reading a room. It's, you know, just like a two has that superpower of reading an individual, a three can read a room of people and a tone and a mood in a way that others of us can't do. It's incredible. But uh, where it gets typically stopped up is that threes don't, handle feelings well, feeling by feeling on an individual basis. So threes typically over identify with what they're doing and what they've accomplished. And so for them, and I've heard you even say this, Kristen, simply being for a three is challenging. So if someone in relationship to a three, a friend or a coworker or a a dating partner is asking a three or expecting a three to sit in their feelings or their emotions that can feel threatening because uh, maybe feelings are intimidating or they might come across feeling inefficient. Like it, it slows down my effectiveness to think about feelings or to worry about feelings. So like two or three, oftentimes it's what if, what if these negative feelings end up catching up to me? It's easier for me to just set them aside and keep moving. And so it's really good for a lot of threes to practice with a feelings wheel, which which might sound silly. And I think we talked about this to twos as well, learning to recognize and own and claim your feelings. But threes need this just to grow comfortable with what feelings are, naming your emotions, and even having the patience and the tolerance for other people's emotions, uh, even if that requires you to sit and stop moving as fast and not try to move through them, so that's that's kind of a big deal. Um, and it's it's interesting that threes are feelings oriented, but then don't necessarily process and practice feelings as effectively. So um, so. <laughs> I'm curious what that looks like for you, Kristen, and being feeling oriented, but how does that show up in maybe some of your friendships or relationships when emotions are prevalent or when you're with people that are heavy feelers?
2: Oh my goodness. This really, uh, that's a loaded question. I think uh, when I first was reading about a three and I learned that they were on the heart triad, I was like, well, then I'm not a three, um, even though I am a hardcore three, because I knew that emotions was just something I didn't do well. But what's interesting is that it really, I I was often feel, feeling like I was experiencing a pendulum swing. And that's how it started at a young age was Really intense, very big emotions because you threes are in that heart triad. However, with an inability to process, an inability, and t- no tools to really dig into those, my go to response when things were hard or emotional or sad. Um, because I never wanted to feel sad. So I just stopped feeling sad at a young age. I can really look back and see that where I I, we had a lot of challenging things that had come up in our family from the age of like eight to 16. And so I learned sad very well. And I also learned that the easiest way to get around it was to just not feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my go to response was, I don't have time to for that. Yep. I don't have time to feel those emotions. I don't have time to cry. I don't have time to sit here and dialogue like all the other girls. <laughs> That's <laughs> inefficient. That's not productive. And so as I have taken time to really uh to grasp what that means, I've I've hit a lot of challenges quite frankly in friendships and in relationships where there is this expectation of well, in order to go deeper, in order to uh, to hit that next level of intimacy you have to open up about your feelings however i really didn't know how i felt so that that was a hard place for me to be when we'd hit that position or that point in a relationship it was this moment of well i i don't talk about these things and i used to think it was just because i'm not a girly girl i'm not super emotional However, I came to realize after a while that it really was because I didn't know how. And if mm. you ask me, even today, quite frankly, but definitely in my younger years, uh, what how I was feeling, my often response would be, if I'm being honest, numb. Mm. That's the closest I could come to, to identifying how I feel. And it's interesting. I know a lot of people when they talk about doing self work and growing, especially as a single person where you're like, I want to do the work now before going into a relationship in the future. There's talks, people go into therapy or whatever. And I tried it. (laughs) It was challenging because there's almost this expectation when you go into therapy of, well, share with me how you feel. And I almost needed this extra step of, Can you tell me how I feel, or can you Mm -hmm. help me find out how I feel? Which is where coaching came in, quite, quite honestly. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but I just remember being so frustrated. At some point when I was working with Angie Mm -hmm. uh, last year, where we do these thought and feeling downloads, and I was like, I don't even have time for this one. And two, if I really sat down, this did not go very far. Yeah. And I find that threes are very deep individuals. There's mm-hmm. a lot of depth there. However, when you put it on the emotional scale, to really dig into that requires an immense amount of work. And I'm just really beginning to be able to do some of that work. And it is completely rewarding, but it is challenging. When it comes to relationships, there's there's always this, uh, I'd say there's this hesitancy uh, because it comes back to your true self, right? Well, if I, if you see the real me, the real me, actually, everyone always tells me, Oh, Kristen, you're so positive at work. They're always like, you're, I know you're going to spin this to be good. Like you're going to spin this to be a positive. And when in reality, I'm a bit more of a pessimist, actually, I'm hundred percent a pessimist, <laughs> Um, and I identify with the sad and the hard and, um, heavy emotions and feelings very easily. And so for someone to come into my life and say, hey, I want to see the real you, Kristen, and to open up and be genuine about that, oftentimes I get the response, well, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on that you're so sad or you're so upset? And in reality, that's the real me. That, this is how I think. This is how I process. I'm actually really having a hard day or I'm really sad. Or the real kicker for me is, I actually don't think I can do this. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. But I'm going to step forward and be like, oh, we got this. Oh, this is easy. We got this because that's what everyone around me is looking to hear and needs to hear mm-hmm. in the moment. So that's been a huge challenge when a lot of the environmental factors around you are saying, well, this is what we need of you. We want you to be real and genuine. But really, when you show that side of you, it's depressing. So just it feels like I'm hearing as in my threeness what I hear is so be real, but not too real. Um, So I feel like I'm a little much for a lot of people sometimes, especially when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm.
3: But the fact that you can see that and your awareness really does show the work that you've put into this. And yeah, you, you don't need us to tell you, but you bringing that more authentic uh, who you truly are, uh, even in moments where it's not all positive, that's, That's so valued and people around you will not reject you for it. And we will continue to get on and get by even when you aren't leading us to success and positivity and victory all the time. Yeah.
1: All of what you're saying makes sense to me too, because... I know that when we have gotten to listen to Suzanne um, speak about the Enneagram, one of the things she says is that when you start doing the real work, don't be surprised when the people in your life are not okay with it (laughs) because they don't know what to do with you. When you start to grow out of your um, unhealthy – what may not look unhealthy to others, but what you know you're trying to grow in, like other people want that for you, but then when it starts to affect the relationship because they're not used to you being like that, she, she really encourages people to push through that and they will eventually get used to that true you um, as you have worked through it. So I think that's an important thing to highlight that that's normal, you know, when you start doing that work.
0: Yeah. And I know that Kristen, like when we were working together and you started to see like this thought makes me feel this feeling, you know, and you really did the work of like, I remember us, okay, Kristen, where do you feel that in your body? And you're like, this is a waste of like, this isn't going to do anything, but like really understanding why emotions in general, negative and positive, why you need both. Right. And having a depth. I mean, I remember us talking about like how deep you feel of the negative is also how high you feel of the positive and like be, giving yourself that full human experience is so important as opposed to just, I can only feel the positive and I can stuff the negative. You've done a lot of work to work on feeling the negative and allowing it to be there and not make it mean anything, but to really like, you know, just look at it for what it is. Do you have any other thoughts on that work that you've done?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of things that I have processed through in the last year, especially as I've begun to apply this concept of thought downloads and learning, okay, how am I feeling? Where is this coming from? Is, um, one, my threeness comes out. I'm like, well, if I systematize this, then it won't take as long, <laughs> and then I can, yeah. and then I can be more efficient. Uh, which doesn't work in this instance. And, yeah. um, and two, I do know as a young person, I had a lot of circumstances that were outside of my control, big things that changed my life, and were hard, and they were sad. And so, I really learned how to navigate, going back to what I had said earlier, how to avoid feeling because the feelings mm-hmm. were very sad. But really, I wanted to learn how to be happy. But there came this point of being like, well, if if you always looking to the future, you always planning for what could be going wrong, what could be the, what, the next thing that you have to deal with, if you can uh, navigate around those and I'm always thinking worst case scenario, then you'll come out successful because you'll be prepared for all of it. And that's what yes. the people around you need you to be. And it almost leans towards a six mentality in a, in a way, um, just in the sense of I really don't want to feel sad. So I'm just going to learn how to be comfortable there because I don't like it when I'm forced there. But the result was I actually really didn't know how to feel happy. And I'm I'm still working through that. I know how to fake it really well, quite frankly, (laughs) I really do. Um, and there, there is true joy. I think my relationship with the Lord and partnered with everything I've been learning with the Enneagram has been, um, life altering. And I'm so thankful for that. Yet going back to what you were saying, Scott, really seeing the real me has been very scary if, and being honest with myself as a three, because I honestly was in a position where I feel like I was not only able to fake it with other people, but I was starting to believe it myself and, and really being honest with, Hey, these are some things that you're struggling with. It's okay to stop and acknowledge that you have some needs and you can address them was a turning point in me growing, but I didn't like what I saw. And that's when I was really working with Angie at that point. Oh man, I don't, like what I see. Some of these emotions, some of these thoughts are pretty ugly and entirely uncomfortable, but sitting in that and learning how to be okay with it and trusting that, okay, I'm in this position for a reason. And I will say as the achiever, fear is the most significant um, failure in my life. (laughs) Um, Like I, to be fearful, I've already failed. And I spent most of my childhood Mm -hmm. saying, if I can do this, then I can do anything because failure was just not an option. And I learned how to measure my value by my achievements. And that was something that I have really had to dial back and through my thought processes and really acknowledging how I'm feeling, say, no, what i do has absolutely no correlation with the value that i have uh in christ and um if it wasn't for my relationship with the lord i can see where people especially threes go down a path of um uh burnout uh, just constant mm-hmm. working 24/7 of um Faking it till you make it or not, but continuing to fake it till that weight is just so heavy. And I, this is probably really for the threes that are listening, but there is a weight that I truly believe threes carry in just understanding where people are at, what they need, how your interactions with them are producing emotions and thoughts and memories. And that weight of being so aware. Can be extremely heavy. And that's not for us to carry. That is to surrender to the Lord because He carries it and He's allowing us to understand His heart and His burden for the people around us, not so that we can fix it, but so that we can bring it back to Him. And so I think a lot of times, while threes are front and center in a lot of areas, we're also called to be those who intercede. And Um, and if we can get to that point of being healthy, knowing who we are and knowing how we feel and also being aware of everyone else, it brings us to a point of being able to pray for them, of being able to step back and say, what do you really need? I know Mm -hmm. what you need in the moment, but what do you really need? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think some really healthy coaches and teachers and pastors can come from, from that three that's able to step back and be self-aware and also aware of everything else and not hold that weight, but just bring it back to the Lord and allow him to be the one that answers and carries it.
3: And I'm so glad you brought up the uh, just awareness of others and and thinking through showing up for others and supporting others because um, because threes do tend to more naturally stand independent of others. Uh, we said about twos that they get a lot of their identity and a lot of um, just who they are and where they are in life from the people around them. And threes don't think that way naturally. Threes are kind of moving at their own pace and they're working on their own agendas. They're aware of other people's, but most threes aren't going to wait around for you to, to tell you or to tell the three what you need of them or, uh, what your agenda is. Like if, if it doesn't match up, then most threes are going to keep on moving. Um, threes are very future oriented and they they'll take shortcuts and cut corners to get towards the goals that they're trying to meet. And they'll leave people behind if they aren't keeping up with them. So, um, so it's really good work for a three to, uh, Increase their awareness of others and even their dependency on others, that interdependence um, that that requires and leans on others and is showing up for others and allowing others to show up for you. And another thing I love that you brought up, Kristen, was the concept of failure because it's actually a really key transformative piece for threes to experience a little bit of failure in life, threes that have not failed in a big way can be very dangerous actually, and very difficult to deal with for others. And so most threes need sometimes a big moment in life where they've fallen on their face to actually learn and realize that I can carry on and I can experience the opposite of success and my life isn't over. So threes, you need to practice doing things that may be risky for you or things that you may not inherently be good at. So go out and and take those tango lessons or go play disc golf or do the things where you may just actually fail and not be able to ace it the first try because it's really good for you. And don't shirk away or shy away from uh, things that you might fail at. Um, the last couple of things I'd add about threes is, uh, that wounding unconscious message that tends to accompany threes throughout life that most threes picked up on early. Um, the message would be, it's not okay to have your own feelings or your own identity. That message again is it's not okay to have your own feelings or your own identity. And this is why a lot of threes end up living a life where they're putting on what others want them to be or what others think of them. Um, But instead, the counter to that, the, the lost message that threes need from the Lord and from others around them, the healing message is you are loved for who you are and not what you do. And again, that's not something that we can just walk up to a three and say that verbatim, but the more that threes can have people postured in their life that can that can love them for who they are in an authentic way and not their accomplishments, that's a healing thing for most threes.
1: Thanks for listening, friends. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you will let us know your thoughts about this episode. If you haven't followed us yet, you can find us at Adventuring Solo Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Then message us with any thoughts or questions about the topic discussed today. We would also greatly appreciate your help in sharing our podcast with your friends and family, as well as leaving us a review and rating as you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. Reviews and ratings really help us out in spreading our work to more people. More than anything, Angie and I hope that you are finding some great solo adventure to do this week. Have a good one.